you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. <laughs> Walt Disney Pictures brings the award-winning book to life. Holes. My name is Stanley Yelnats. All my life, I seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. My grandpa says it's because of this 150-year-old curse. There is no curse on this family. There is on the men in this family. It's all because of your no-good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather. <laughs> Welcome to Camp Green Lake. Where's the lake? <laughs> this is Stanley. Everyone in my family names their son Stanley because it's Yelnats backwards. Well, that's interesting. Did you tell him about the lizards? You don't bother them, they won't bother you. Usually. Now, to break his family's curse... It's destiny. He'll have to solve a mystery. What do you say we dig one more hole? Why? I feel lucky. And find what's hidden at Camp Green Lake. What is that? I think I might have found something. What'd you find? You better get down here. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another awesome edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, coming to you live on channel1138.com, also coming to you through the power of Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and our hosting site, Podbean, and a host of other uh, podcasting platforms. You can also find previous episodes on StarWarsUnderworld.com. Wherever you consume this podcast, we are excited to have you. It's going to be another awesome episode. For those of you who are new to the program... My name is Zach, and uh, I've been here since 2014, and uh, even then, it was it was kind of a crazy, weird show trying to do things on my own whenever Ben couldn't make it, and uh, we did that maybe like once or twice back in 2014 and decided that's not really the way to do it. I was very headstrong, I was very stubborn, and I was like, no, the show must go on. And uh, if you listen to the episode where I do my review of the Jurassic Park books, you'll find out why we don't do it that way anymore. 
So when somebody like Ben, who's been with me since day one, decides to go on vacation and doesn't have decent Wi-Fi signal, um, instead of leaving me out to dry or postponing for a week, we had the bright idea to bring in a third member of the team. And he's been with us for over a year now, I think. And he's back for more fun talking about something that we probably wouldn't get to talk about if Ben was here. So, everybody, please help me give a warm welcome to the other voice that's going to be bouncing ideas around with me tonight, Mr. Jake Damon. Hello, everybody. Uh, it is it is an honor to be here, uh, kind of in Ben's place, sort of, because he is not here. But I, you're right, I have been here for the last year, and that's insane to me. It, it does not feel like a year. I, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling maybe you guys are like, how do we get Jake off the show? I don't want to make him feel bad, and I've just been sticking around nope. this entire time for no reason. Nope. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I've really, really enjoyed being here. And I am happy to be uh, your – I was going to say your number two, but that, you would have turned that into something terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to be a uh, riding co-pilot here tonight to talk about <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, before we say what it is, let's just say I'm ready to have a whole lot of fun talking about it. Oh, no. It's going to be one of those nights, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes, man. Well, I guess I need to get my 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 pun out of the way to get the get the responses going. I got to match you stride for stride. Um, I can't. You're gonna have to take my word for it. But I'm wearing my uh, special Sunday socks, be in honor of uh, tonight's episode. And you know why they're called my Sunday socks? Let me guess, because they're so holy. Because they're holy. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, this is where I get off the call <laughs> and you just leave me hanging out there. <laughs> oh, man, that you really don't want to hear my ramblings on that. What I would do is I would export the MP3 file of the recording I did with my brother last night and just push play on that because that conversation would be better than any kind of solo ramblings that I would would I would be able to come up with. Um, first time, the very first time that my brother has ever been on the show. So. Uh, be on the lookout, be on the listen out for that in the not too distant future. Uh, we discussed another classic film, one of our personal favorites from our childhood, and uh, it went on for a solid 40 to 45 minutes, and it was it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, my brother's going to be on the IPC podcast pretty soon, which is exciting. Nice. But uh, this movie that we're talking about, uh, for those of you who haven't gathered from the puns and the innuendos and the whatnot you gotta toss it all the way back to the year 2003 when disney decided to make a movie based on a book it was a a really fun piece of children's literature that i actually read in college for a children's literature class and uh, they actually made it into a motion picture film on a 20 million dollar budget i might add this film goes by the same name that it had on the cover of the book it's simply called holes yes jake did you know that it only had a 20 million budget i did not know that it definitely seems like a movie that would have had a bigger budget than that because it's it's a quality film i mean they've got locations they've got uh talent they've got 
uh, everything, you know, it just seems like a lot of, of thought went into this and, you know, it surprises me that $20 million was used, but they definitely use that money very well. Well, I would say more than half of the movie was shot in one location, you know? Sure. Yeah. You're and, right. I didn't. Yeah. And then they also utilize their flashback sequences really well using stuff that basically looked like a set from little house on the prairie. Yeah. Like yep. I, I feel like a lot of higher end, higher budget movies kind of depend on bigger sets and uh, a pretty heavy CGI usage and stuff like that. But really the only CGI they used was certain sequences where they would cut to the lizards because there are these yellow spotted lizards that are supposed to be super deadly, which those don't actually exist in Texas, I might add. Or at all. <laughs> but um, but they like the only time they really ever used CGI was for those sequences where it was like flaring its neck out and, and biting somebody. Like Other than that, they used actual lizards to crawl around on the actors and stuff. And so there was just a lot in this that felt very mm, maximizing the budget, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't dawn on me until I watched it this time, but a lot of this movie, like the majority of this movie, just seems very timeless to me in in – say by what i mean by that is what i'm saying is that i could watch this any any time any place and i feel like it would resonate with me and the only times that it didn't feel timeless is when you would see a cgi lizard which didn't look great admittedly but then that's kind of where the 2003-ness of this movie kind of shows through but i can overlook that because of the incredible story and just the the really fun uh adventure we go on yeah the the lizards when they're biting people uh yeah. it it kind of reminded me of zombies animation just a little bit yeah, yeah. And that's fine. I mean, like they it was limited back then. Technology was limited. Mm-hmm. I have seen good, you know, you you just you watch uh you watch Jurassic Park and you can see an example of really really well done early 3D animation. And this was not so much. I mean, a, a key to good-looking 3D animation in a live-action movie is lighting. And if you can do it in low lighting, then you can afford to make it look a little better. And unfortunately, a lot of the lizards are in high light in this, and it really kind of gives away the uh, the quality of the animation. But definitely sparingly used, I would say. Yeah, sparingly used, and and any time they were trying to like drive the point home that the lizards are actually there and they're present, they were using actual lizards. Yeah. So they they tried to keep it as minimal as possible while keeping the threat um, real, like trying to trying to make it seem like a legitimate threat, but not going overboard with how often the kids got bitten or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um they had a real rattlesnake in this production too at the beginning of the movie. I yep, right at the beginning. I, I liked that. Um yep. I think I think Barf one bag. I think I think one thing that I really liked about it was the nicknames like Barf Bag or X-Ray or Zero. Like it, it, obviously that's all stuff from the book, but I really liked um everybody getting nicknames because yeah. I I worked at a summer camp where everybody got nicknames. It wasn't. It wasn't the the kids that got them. It was the counselors, and 
you would have to spend the whole week guessing the counselors' names before they finally told you at lunch on Friday. That's fun. And that's how I got the nickname Sharkbait. Oh, interesting. I, I was Sharkbait at this summer camp for six or seven years. And uh, I got all kinds of interesting guesses on Friday. Because I'd be like, so what do you think my name is? And <laughs> kids will be kids. And at one point, somebody guessed Jeff. Another time, a kid guessed Thomas. And I was like, I look like a Thomas? And literally every kid in my campsite looked at me, paused for a second, and then like almost in sequence goes, yes. And I was like, <laughs> no. One time a kid guessed that my real name was Clark Kent because I'm a Superman. And I wow. was like, oh, that makes my heart melt. You're my favorite. <laughs> but then, It would be hard to be called Clark Kent and not feel good about that. Right? Right? But then I also got the other end of the spectrum where I had an eight-year-old that, like, as loud as he possibly could, just, like, everybody within a hundred yards heard this kid yell out, Is your name Fanny Sniffer? <laughs> what? Uh, no, my parents did not name me Fanny Sniffer, little boy. That did oh not happen. Oh, kids. But, I mean, Caveman is an awesome name. Zero was, was a really creative name. X-Ray. And then, what was the other one? Armpit? Yeah, oh, you got you got X-Ray, Armpit, Zigzag, Squid. Uh, yeah, Zigzag. Um, yeah, I, I don't ever, I don't remember why he was called Squid. I think it was, uh, I think it was t said in the book. Um, I think Zigzag was named Zigzag because his hair kind of zigged and zagged everywhere. Um, Armpit just because he, he smelled. Caveman because he found that fish fossil. Zero because he doesn't know anything, but also his last name is Zeroni. So you got Zero as part of his last name. And, uh, I, oh, Magnet magnet he liked to steal things um and uh the last one was twitch the one that fills in caveman spot when he leaves Man, or zero spot they Sorry. they casted him good oh yeah like, from the book this, description this kid was like a legit twitch oh my gosh Oh yeah, he was always twitching to steal a car, man. That well, was I mean, thing. he was—he was just twitching in general too. Like this, yeah. this kid had a legit tick about him that was just—it yep. was just whoa. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Let's let's get into this movie. I thought we were. <laughs> no, I know, but like, like the story, like let's. Like, what did you think of the story? Because I know, I mean, I know you read the book first mm -hmm. and you said you read it in college. I read it. Um, I probably read it when I was like 11 and I remember being real sick and I had started the book already and my dad kind of finished it and read it to me while I was sick and I I really, really loved the movie and then we watched – or the book and then we watched the movie right after that and I was – I, I fell in love with it, man. It was like one of my favorite movies. It was like a movie that I would talk about with my friends at school. And and I was also just kind of shocked by how well and accurately they had adapted the movie from the book. There weren't a whole lot of changes that I remember, um, except for one in particular in that 
Stanley in the book was supposed to be kind of an overweight kid, more along the lines of like an armpit. And they had changed it for the movie because they didn't want to put out a casting call for somebody who was overweight and make them feel bad. That's what I heard. And so that's why uh, Shia LaBeouf was casted. And I mean, that's fine with me. I, I really like Shia LaBeouf in the role. But yeah, really enjoyed both. Really fell in love with the story. What about you? Well, I mean, I think I think it's okay to get a pretty average person into an average everyday kid's role. Like that's that's yeah. ki- that's kind of what you need in a film like this. Is you don't want him to be super heavy, you don't need him to be super strong, you don't need him to be, you know, short and compact and, and small like Zero Just an was. average kid. You need kind of an average person so that the average viewer can latch on to him. So yeah. I really don't hate that decision and I'm I'm gonna echo what you said. As far as the the general plot and the interweaving of the characters and the storyline, it's all very accurate and very true to what I remember reading from the book. Granted, it's been a couple of years, and I do kind of want to go back and read through it again. It wasn't a very difficult read, no. But um, I want to take a look at like what the what the similarities and the differences are because I don't really remember very many differences. I didn't look at this and go, oh yeah, that's not. That's not the way it went. And I, I didn't look at any of the characters and, and think, oh, that's not how I pictured them in the book or something like that. Like most everybody, as far as the casting is concerned, was actually pretty accurate, pretty true to life. And it it made for um, a much easier transition into the storyline because it was almost like the creators had found a way to make the book come to life. And that's yeah. very, very difficult to do as we've seen in a lot of book-to-movie adaptations. There's a lot of people that aren't a fan of, like, the Maze Runner franchise because they think it deviates. There are Mm -hmm. people that feel like there's not enough detail in, like, the Twilight franchise. They're like, this book is, like, 500 pages long and they only touch, like, 100 pages of it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's still too much. But a big problem that filmmakers have when they adapt a book into a movie is the fact that when you read a book, that's, you know, 10 or 12 hours worth of sitting there reading a story and you can, you know, you only have like what, an hour and a half to tell a story in a movie, sometimes two hours if you're lucky. And how do you adapt a story and what things do you take out to pare it down so that it fits within that time frame so that people aren't sitting in a movie theater for seven hours, you know? And I think the thing with Holes was that the book itself only takes, you know, a few hours to read. It's really not that big of a book. And the amount of story that was in it was much easier to fit down into a movie form. So they didn't really have to take that much out, I don't think. Well, I think one of the things that this movie did really well was they brought the visuals in a way that anytime you had a a moment of description or world building in the book, they Mm. did like a giant panning shot in the movie to encapsulate it. Like, rather than trying to imagine 300 holes as far as the eye could see, they just had that big-ass panning shot of all the holes in the lake. And you're just like, that looks like a prairie dog town. That doesn't look like something <laughs> kids drew up. Or like, instead of two pages describing, you know, God's thumb and what that looked like, it just shows God's thumb. Exactly. 
Exactly. And so I think they did a really good job of actually taking the imagination of how this camp looked, how God's thumb looked, how the town that that Miss Catherine was living in looked. Like they took all of that and rather than it being several pages like you're like you're saying, they just turned it into a giant panorama or a wide angle shot that encapsulated all of those descriptions. And they held yeah. it just long enough to let you know, hey, we've read the book too. Here it is. And then well, they go you, back to the you, story. The saying a picture speaks a thousand words is very true. And, you know, if you take a movie, which is essentially just hundreds of pictures strung together, think about how much you can describe with that. Well, the problem is sometimes it goes a little too short. Like, yeah, there, there, there are some times where they try and do a shot like that and it only holds for a couple of seconds. And you're like, oh, wait a second. I want to see more of that. I feel like this movie found a really good balance of being able to give you that long shot without taking too long for it and distracting you from the story. Yeah. If that makes, Which, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, one question I had for you upon watching this for the first time is what do you think of the pacing of the movie? Because we have – we have time jumps, we have flashbacks, we have stories being told, we have different characters, different time periods, and it kind of all fits together in kind of a, a jigsaw puzzly type of way. But I didn't ever find myself confused by it, and I thought that was a real testament to the writers and the, and the direction of the movie. And I think generally speaking, that's kind of how the book flowed too. And I don't remember being confused by that. But yeah, it, it was a lot to kind of uh, a lot of different points of view and perspectives to tell in the story, but it never got too convoluted, I don't think. Well, I think one of the things that it, it does so well is that most of the time it presents those flashbacks naturally. It's it's yeah. n it's not like when the kid goes to sleep, boom, flashback happens, and it's like very jarring. Usually when you have some sort of flashback like that, there's a reason for it. Like somebody's telling a story, and you're actually just living out that story. Like when Stanley's talking about his, his great-great-grandpa and how the curse yeah. started. You know, he's just having a conversation over lunch, but rather than sitting there and, and watching a whole bunch of kids eating beans at a table, you actually <laughs> have the flashback and get to see what he's talking about. Yeah. And, and that was a moment of exposition too, but it was done in a way that you could see happening in real life. Like people sit around tables at dinner and tell mm -hmm. stories. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that was the, the really good balance because like even when they go to the warden's house and he's seeing the, the pictures of Kiss and Kate Barlow, you're putting the pieces of the puzzle together as much as Stanley is in the story. And that that character building, that development, that exposition is enough that you're putting the pieces of that jigsaw puzzle together, but the movie isn't necessarily directly putting it together for you. And I, I think that's one thing that I really liked about this film was it's not handing everything to you like obviously, but yes. it is laying it out for you to be able to pick up those pieces and make it into something a little bit deeper. I think the only time I felt like something was being handed to me was when you had Madame Zeroni's voiceover when Stanley is carrying Hector up God's thumb. Yeah, 
I I would agree with that, but I thought it was effective. I didn't think it like I didn't roll my eyes necessarily. No. I, I mean, maybe you did, but when it, it was just a good callback, I think, because it's kind did. of easy to forget the significance of that scene. And it adds significance to the scene of him carrying Hector up and makes you realize, hey, this fulfills the the prophecy and breaks the curse, basically. Right, right. And, and you're right. It does do that. It's just, and I I didn't roll my eyes necessarily. It's just, I was already putting those pieces of the puzzle together. Okay. Because they had already said his name. We already knew Stanley had a curse. We already knew about the prophecy. Like, I had already logged all of those little nuggets away. And when it was happening, I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then... Then you hear Madame Zeroni's voice come in as I'm having that aha moment. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you, Yzma. I now understand what it all means. Well, I thank you, Yzma. Yeah, I told my wife that that's who played Yzma. And I'm like, just wait till she talks and you can tell that's Yzma. And she's like, oh, my goodness. Um, but yeah, I was definitely too stupid when I was a kid to put those two things together, that he was carrying him up the mountain. He's a descendant of Madame Zeroni. I was definitely not thinking about that. And had that not been in there, I would have been like, okay. I mean, it was just carry, him carrying him up the mountain. And that's one of those things that later on on like some forum, like on Reddit or something, somebody would be like, this fulfilled the prophecy. Do you get it? And I'd be like, what? But yeah, <laughs> they do spell it out. And it, that's for people like me who can't put two and two together. Well, Jake, I have, I have a hard time like, Taking it easy on you, man, because, like, <laughs> weren't you homeschooled, too? Dude, I was homeschooled for a long while, yes. And you still weren't able to put it together? Nope, nope. Um, yeah, I'm mm. uh, giving us a bad name, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Ugh. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't even know what to say to you right now. Um, the couple years of public schooling that I had that kind of, uh, you know, took, took my IQ it, points it, away. It, it ruined you, man. It freaking ruined you. <laughs> <laughs> turned you into a dunce. Yep. No, I'm kidding. But I think I think one thing that I really appreciated about this film was that it did lay it out logically enough that my brother was able to understand the storyline as well. Yeah. So, sometimes he watches stuff just for the comedy, like the the slapstick and stuff. Yeah. But he was starting to understand some of the mystery and some of the the history as they were doing the back and forth and back and forth between the old town and and the current day camp like i think when they when they made it to the overturned boat he looked at it and was like that's sam's boat mhm and i was like you're right it is and then there was a moment where they make it up into god's thumb and uh and he he starts like eating something and we don't know what it is and then he's like is that an onion and i was like you're right it is an onion and so there were just these little things that he was picking up on that i didn't have to explain to him it was just something that he was like naturally catching on to and so i i think it i think it's a really good balance of of being able to give you the exposition without like handing it out to you or or drawing you a very obvious picture like certain other movies do um namely something like the great muppet caper 
Yes. You ever, yep. you ever, you ever seen that movie? One of my favorites. Really? It's one of my yep. least favorites, dude. Oh, man. I love the Great Muppet uh, Cake. Oh, man. The the whole thing where the the sister starts confiding in Miss Piggy and just obviously says, like, it's it's for the plot. We have to do it somewhere. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, no. That, But that's comedy man that's the that's the meta humor of the muppets okay treasure island does a much better job with the meta humor than muppet caper does though yeah i mean i have i have a soft spot for all those muppet movies definitely not the newer ones have you seen the newer muppet movie the swedish chef shows up in treasure island and the talking vegetable said how else did you think we were going to get him in this movie i laugh every time It's pretty fun. Every time. Like, they straight up break down the fourth wall. Or when yeah. uh, or when Billy Bones dies and Rizzo's like, he died? This is supposed to be a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah! Uh, anything with dead Tom, I'm dying. It was, that was, that was just, it was so brilliant. Anyways, a good job of balancing the, the exposition of the story without beating you over the head with it. Oh, and, yeah. And I think part of that is not just a tribute to the writing, but I think it's also a tribute to the execution. Like, yes. as well written as a story can be, you've also got to have a cast that can bring it to life in a believable way. And I feel like we really, really got that with the cast of characters that we got in this film. For they sure. all did a fantastic job. Yes. I mean... And there are- Sigourney Weaver is like the top billing, obviously, because of her history with aliens and Ghostbusters and Galaxy Quest and whatever else. Uh, Yeah. But, I mean... This movie is just full of great characters in general. Like, not only do you have great talent, like John Voight is Mr. Sir, Tim Blake Nelson is Dr. Pendansky, Sigourney Weaver as the warden. Like, those are just three really great, really defined characters that have defined personalities. You kind of know what to expect from them, but at the same time, it's like you never know what they're going to do. And they, they are, they range from all different kinds of like a meanness to, to just un you know, unpleasantness. Like they're, those three are pretty much the, the main antagonists of the movie for, for better or for worse. And they really, really deliver some memorable characters, I think. And that's not to mention any of the, the and or the protagonists in the movie like Stanley and Zero like those those guys are great on their own but to have foils like those three I just mentioned are it just really works well what's funny is uh Pandansky is just it, he's kind of in this this gray area for me because he he does talk down to the kids a lot but at the same time, you have that sequence where he's got them all sitting in a circle at the end of the day. You know, yeah. they, they've all been outside working in the heat and he still keeps them up into the night to try and rehabilitate them. Like, I do think that he cares a little bit. It's just that his approach isn't what it should be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he I think it's all a show, to be honest. Like, I think maybe he started off caring about the characters, but was just influenced by Mr. Sir and the warden over the years into into this person that maybe he wasn't when he started, because, 
you know, you later find out that he's not even a real doctor and just the way he treats well, Zero mean, versus the other kids, he really isn't that great of a person, but he's also kind of lovable in a really strange way. Well, I mean, the kids love him enough to call him mom. So yeah, yeah, because he is kind of that way. He's very like like the way he talks, whether it's fake or not, is very like, all right, kids, you got you always remember to do this and make sure you are looking out for your fellow man and uh, make sure you stay hydrated, things like that. You know, like a mom would say. And then on the other side, you have Mr. Sir played brilliantly by John Voight. Like you almost can't even tell that's John Voight, just the way he talks and moves and stuff. And he really, really gets into that role. You can tell he's having a good time, but he, he's more of a serious type, you know, he, he sells it. Well, he, he really does sell it. Well, particularly in that sequence where Stanley first shows up at the camp and he's like laying down the law. Like, yeah, like, uh, I think one of one of my favorite sequences. There's a lot of sequences I really enjoy in this film, but one of my favorites is when he's handing the coke to the guard, and Stanley thinks it's for him. <laughs> yep, yep. So awkward, and I have definitely been there before. <laughs> like yep. I, where you reach for something, or I, or somebody's waving, and you wave back, but they're actually waving at the person behind you, like Buddy the Elf, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's hailing a taxi, and Buddy's just like, "Hi." Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which, uh, interestingly enough, Elf came out the same year that this movie did. Yeah, maybe that wasn't such a bad year for movies because you mentioned earlier Return of the King came out, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah, we got we got Return of the King in two thousand three. We got Brother Bear in two thousand three. Uh, yeah. we, we got the sequel to One Hundred and One Dalmatians, which I wasn't super thrilled about. We got Ugh. the sequel to Atlantis, Milo's Adventure. Oh, I watched that a uh, couple months ago because I we watched Atlantis, and then I'm like, you know what? Let's watch the second one. Mm-hmm. It's bad. <laughs> uh, X Men Two, X Men United came out in 2003. Uh, what else did we get? We also got uh, Bruce Almighty in 03. Yeah, yep, I like Bruce Almighty. We got uh, School of Rock in 03. What else we got? Agent Cody Banks, The Jungle Book yeah. 2, which is one of my brother's favorite uh, Disney movies. You know what? That's one my brother and I watched a lot, and I, I like that one too. Uh, Finding Nemo. Okay. 2003. Um, yeah. There was a Land Before Time sequel, Spy Kids 3. Yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, Rugrats That's Go a- Wild, Kangaroo Jack. Ooh, better left unmentioned. <laughs> Why did nobody like Kangaroo Jack? Oh, uh, I some I've never seen it, but I remember seeing trailers for it, and then I looked up some clips for it on YouTube and was just kind of appalled by it and never want to watch it. <laughs> oh, and uh, this one little film that came out in two thousand three that may or may not have started an entire franchise, a little thing called Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl. Never heard of it. You, you mean like? You've you've never heard us go on epic <laughs> tangents about Captain Jack Sparrow. Kidding, doing, I'm kidding. Do an entire series of like multiple episodes <laughs> over the whole franchise. Oh man. Oh, it's coming back to me. Oh man. Yeah, two thousand three wasn't a super bad year for movies. I was looking at it going, Oh, Hulk was this was this one. Tears yeah. of the Sun, Chris Rock and Bernie Mac in Head of State, 
Um, like there's there's some stuff out here that's not all that great that I'm like, ugh, 2003. But then you also see stuff like Finding Nemo and Return yeah, of the King, and it's like, well, maybe 2003 wasn't so bad after all. Yeah, I know there were a few years around that time period that weren't that great for movies, but I, I think I was getting it confused because, yeah, 2003 gave us a lot of good stuff. A it, lot of bad stuff, but a lot of good stuff, too. Well, it gave us some stuff with a lot of longevity, too, because Finding Nemo turned into a sequel with Finding Dory. Pirates of the Caribbean turned into a franchise. And yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings was so successful that they made the Hobbit franchise after it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. 2003 was was pretty decent for movies. What's interesting though is I'm guessing this movie didn't do so well. Like just based on its numbers, it had a 20 million budget and it definitely made back that 20 million budget, but it's almost like this was such a niche book that it didn't become a box office hit like some were hoping it would be. Which is crazy to me because I think the book was pretty popular and I think Shia LaBeouf was definitely kind of getting into that, that uh, you know, getting up there in stardom, you know. I I think he had already done Even Stevens or was the, in the middle of doing it and this is kind of one of those movies that definitely launched him into fame. Um, but it – even if it wasn't super successful when it came out, it's definitely become a cult classic in a way. You know, it's it's one of those movies that you always hear kids talk about that. I mean, that used to be kids, but are now like us, you know, like mid 20s or whatever. And they're like, man, that was definitely one of the best. And, you know, it's one of those movies I would like to show to my kids. You know, I've got a kid on the way. I'd love to show him holes. Well, I mean – you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like when they're 10 or whatever or 7 even, I could sure. be like, "Hey, I mean, I watched this when I was a kid." I would Okay, that's an interesting point because I think I would show my kid holes before I showed them something like The Goonies even. Yeah, yeah. Because this, holes this one's a little Holes hardly has any cussing in it at all. Right, yep. There, there's hardly any cussing. There's hardly any innuendos or anything like that. Like, as well, far it's as... rated PG. As far as... Well, so is Goonies. Yeah, but that's 80s PG. So? Well, okay, so if you take any movie from the 80s or... I mean, 70s and 80s, and they're rated G or PG, it's a good chance they could be PG-13 or R today, even. My point being, they have the same rating, and people aren't going to pay attention to 80s ratings versus modern-day ratings. I know, but they should. You, you can't have those kinds of expectations of people. They are not that smart, Jake. <laughs> Man, I thought I wasn't smart, but I guess other people are less smart. Other people are worse. At least you had some homeschooling to your name. There's a lot of people out there who don't, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but, I mean, this movie had 16.3 million opening weekend. So, it had a a 20 million budget, and it made back almost all of that the first weekend. Wow. Which is, that that in itself is pretty impressive, I think. To, yeah. to have a movie make back its budget in the first weekend or almost make back its budget in the first weekend, that's not something that a lot of movies can do. It's, yeah. Uh, like maybe things like Avengers or Star Wars or something like that. But there's very, very little that uh, 
that can do something like that to make it back. And a uh, little fun fact, it really didn't do so hot internationally. 94% of its income was domestic. Wow. It made over $67 million domestically and only $4 million internationally. Dang. Well, so, I sent you the uh, the the Spanish poster for it. Yeah, and that's the only other poster I can see for it, as far as uh, you know, other languages goes. Sometimes on IMDb, you can find a whole slew of different posters for different languages. But um, yeah, maybe it was just America and like South America. Maybe across the pond. Who knows. Maybe a little bit, yeah, like but, England or whatever. But this is uh, Disney en Español. Walt Disney Pictures presenta El Misterio... What is this word? That's really fuzzy. Delos. Uh, Delos. Yeah. El Misterio de los Excavadores. <laughs> Which sounds like it translates to, like, the mystery of the holes or the diggers or something uh excavadores would be excavators interesting mystery of the excavators yeah so instead of holes it's mystery (laughs) of the excavators i'm glad it's called holes let's just say that (laughs) because mystery of the excavator sounds like a hardy boys book Mm, i was (laughs) i was thinking rule 34 hey kids let's play cave explorer Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, they've got a character in there called Caveman. How do you think he got his name? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But uh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Let's 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 talk about some of the interweaving storylines because that that that's something that we keep ending up coming back to somehow. Um you've got You've got the Yelnats family. Yep. And then you've got Ms. Barlow. And then yep. you've also uh you got the the whole thing with the with the Zeronis. That's their name, right? Zeroni? Yep. So it was Stanley's like great great grandpa that was trying to get help from Madame Zeroni. And uh he didn't, so his family ended up being cursed. Part right. of that curse was getting robbed after he had won the lottery or something like that. Like, uh, yeah, he he yeah. he had got he had come into fortune somehow, and he thought maybe the curse wasn't real, and then he ended up getting robbed by Kiss and Kate Barlow. So, you've got the Barlow family, you've got the, you got the Zeroni family. And you got the Yelnats family. And somehow, components from all three of those backgrounds... Well, okay, I take that back. It's actually the person who was vying for Kate Barlow's affections, right? The, yeah. The rich, so... the rich dude from the town was trying to find Kate Barlow's treasure. Right, because he, he kind of starts off at the beginning as like this the son of the guy that owns half the town or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the lake, like he owns the lake. They're just like a rich family and he's after Kate Barlow, but she has affections for another guy and yeah, like that Gus from psych. 
Yeah. Or uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but he plays the president's aide in the West Wing. And he is incredible in that. Um, but uh, yeah, so Dulé Hill plays plays uh, Sam, who likes to say, I can fix that a lot. <laughs> and uh, and this guy ends up burning down the school and uh, kills Sam, which sucks. And that's kind of how Kate Barlow became kissing Kate Barlow. She just kind of took revenge. You know? She snapped, dude. Yeah. She yeah. straight up snapped. Like she didn't take long to mourn Sam at all before she decided I'm going to wreak hell on this town. Yeah. She the- was definitely mourning Sam in her own special way oh. by going from town to town, uh, kissing and killing, killing and kissing well, uh, and stealing. Well, because the sheriff was drunk during the night Sam was killed and was like, give me a kiss. And then yeah. she goes in like the next day right. and is like, hey, Sheriff, you still want that kiss? Well, too bad. Bleep. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a bullet too, man. Yeah. Like that kiss is going to cost you your life, man. Yeah. And Holy. all the guys in the jail cell are like, what just happened? Well, did you notice that there were a couple of accomplices that helped her rob Stanley's grandpa? Oh. I Were they be- the ones in the jail cell? I believe so. That's interesting. I believe so. I, I'm she must not, have come back for I'm him. not 100% on that, but I feel pretty certain that her accomplices were the guys that she broke out of jail or let out of jail after she killed the sheriff. Hmm, that would be interesting. She um, basically but like, yeah, so- join me or die, bitches. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like later on, you know, the the lake is dried up and she has buried her treasure and she's by Sam's boat. Like that's that's basically going to be her final resting place. And yeah. and out comes Trout Walker, the guy that Trout Walker earlier. I knew it was a fish, but I kept thinking Marlin because of Finding Nemo. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that would work, too. But yeah, Trout Walker, who I guess is married to one of her former students or something, which is a little weird. That's not... But, uh, but you know, spoiler alert, turns out Trout Walker is the grandfather or great-grandfather of the warden. Yep. And the whole reason they have that camp digging holes is to find the treasure. And they kept doing it under the guise of it builds character. Which kind of works. Well, I mean, it did. And that's why nobody really questioned it was because, you know, there were people that were saying, yes, sir, Mr. Sir. No, sir, Mr. Sir. There were people that, you know, that there, there were guys in the camp that may have, like, actually learned a little bit of manners from all of this. So their methods may have seemed a bit harsh to an outsider, but I guess they were proven effective if... If yeah. they were allowed it, to continue as long as they had. it's It was a really good cover story. And, you know, I can just see her and uh, Mr. Sir and uh, Dr. Pendansky. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's the warden and Mr. Sir who kind of formulated the plan at first. Who are like, okay, look, there's this treasure out there. There's only two of us. How are we going to dig all these holes? And they came up with this idea, you know, and it it really kind of works as a cover story, I think. Like if the the authorities were snooping around or whatever, they would have something to say. And, of course, that doesn't work after after what happens toward the end of the movie. 
But up until then, I think they had a good thing going. Well, and I think it's also interesting that they had some set parameters so that the kids didn't feel like it was, like, endlessly digging holes. Yeah. Like the, Even though 18 months is a very long time. You know, it's sooner, just like, you dig one hole, and but then the, you're done. The sooner you get started, the sooner you're done. Like, yeah. Well, one of my favorite lines in there is when Stanley takes one one dig, his first shovel full of dirt, and falls over. And Mr. Sir is like, one down, 10 million to go. <laughs> Man, you ain't kidding. But, I mean, having shovels that are five foot long was a yeah. really clever idea. Like, you buy them in bulk, and you're like, okay, this is how wide your hole's going to be, and this is how deep your hole's going to be. All of your tools are in this one shovel. It measures the width, it measures the depth, and it helps you dig what it is you're trying to dig. Like, pretty ingenious, honestly. Yeah, it's it's your measuring stick, it's your tool, and uh, also it was kind of cool, just a little little thing in there where there's one shovel that's shorter than the rest of them, and it's got a piece of red tape on it, mm-hmm. so... Uh, X-Ray got it in that one scene and that was just a cool little thing where I'm like if this was a real thing and it existed in real life that would definitely be something that would happen for sure. Somebody would figure out which one's the shortest and want to get that one. Well and and they found a way to mark it by putting that red tape on it and they're willing to fight for it. Like it's like it's 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 something that's so serious that they're like even those few extra inches is enough to make me want to fight over it. Yeah. Um shoot. There was there was one other element that I wanted to take a look at, but I I kind of lost my train of thought cuz we started talking about the shovels. Um what it, how how did they manage to maintain the road that goes in and out of the camp? Cuz eventually you're going to want to dig in those places too, aren't you? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, or do you dig those holes and then fill them in and then like let the cars keep driving over the filled in holes or something? I don't know. Yeah. But then, you know, five years later when you're like, okay, we need to dig more holes. How do you know that you haven't dug there already or whatever? I don't know. There's like the way that it's set up, I think works fine. You know, if you don't think about it too hard, cause it's like, you know, like I said, you could see this kind of happening in real life and there's going to be roads going in and out all over the place. And and I think basically what they're just trying to do is find a clue or anything to where this treasure could be. And that's why they're like, OK, you find something special, you get the day off and they find the lipstick tube and uh, they say it's in a hole that it wasn't actually found in. So they're 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 digging up in the wrong place and they kind of set up that dig site that kind of goes you know they're making tunnels they're digging up all around don't find anything and and that's because it's not even near the right hole but well what's funny is those two holes weren't that far apart and the dig site got really big yeah you're right you're right i'm surprised because they're part of the same tent so they're all digging holes within a few feet of each other it's yeah. it's not like it was on the other side of the lake or something. And that excavation yeah. site gave me some serious Indiana Jones vibes, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. When they're digging in Tannis and Raiders. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, as we all now know, Shia LaBeouf played a role in Indiana Jones. So it's kind of interesting how all that kind of came full circle. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the mystery of the excavators. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
There you that's, go. That's the that's the Indy Five title right there, folks. You're welcome. Yep. Hey, I'd watch it. Well, I'm watching it anyway. It's Indiana Jones, you know? Oh, man. One of my favorite franchises. It's not like somebody says, hey, we're making a new Pirates of the Caribbean film. Like, obviously, I'm going to watch it. Oh, yeah. Even if Dead Men Tell No Tales was, like, the second worst Pirates movie ever made. Oh, thank you. See, our friend Sean Giroux, he is under the impression it's the second best. And I'm like, no, sir. No. Everybody can have their own opinion. I'm not Sean, you're wrong. I'm not I'm not going there. I I really I liked I liked Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, me too. And me too. At World's End was a decent follow up. It it relied more heavily on the comedy than I wanted it to, but it was it was it was it was decent. Yeah. I I am not a fan of Stranger Tides. No, I I mean, the way I would rate them, like, I know we're getting into something else now, but it would pretty much be (laughs) order or uh, release order as far as like best to worst, except I'd probably flip the last two. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's although the third one is really long, like much longer than it should be. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's that's something we can talk about with this movie was the the pacing, the time. We we talked yeah. about we talked about pacing as far as the interchanging storylines, which I don't think was too terrible. But this movie's almost two hours long. It is, which is but... which was kind of surprising. But at the same time, I feel like they used their time pretty wisely and and were able to capture all the important elements of the book in just two hours. That's no easy feat. I mean, it really clips right along. Like, it does not feel like two hours. Sometimes you'll watch a an hour and a half movie, and you're, like, looking at your watch the whole time. I just did that with a movie not too long ago. I, I'm like, I could have sworn this was two hours, and it was only an hour and a half. I'm like, what the heck? And then this one just zips right by like it's an hour and a half, and it's because it keeps your attention, I think. And I, I think it's because there's really no scene in it for me where I'm like – Okay, this is a little tedious and boring. Like maybe a few a few of the scenes when they're in the desert uh walking after they've run away, after after uh Stanley catches up with Zero, maybe a little bit there, but not enough for me to be checking my watch necessarily. Well, I think they spent a little too much time on some of the mountain sequences. Yeah. Like there, just a hair, not there, too too much. There but. was there was just a lot of that when I kind of wanted to see what was going on with the boys at camp back home. Honestly, like I want to hear what they're talking about, like what they're speculating about, mm-hmm. you know, those guys out there in the desert. They did a little bit but not as much as I'd hoped. Exactly. Exactly. But. I would have I would have preferred a little bit more of that and a little bit less of them talking about uh, you know, throwing up on top of a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, you can't throw up on me now, man. You can't sleep on me now, man. Like, yeah. But like, watch, honestly, like, watch that's, me. <laughs> that's really all I have as far as like nitpicks and gripes. I mean, that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, at least as far as the pacing goes. There, there. I mean, I have very few nitpicks about this movie in general. Honestly, I'm trying to think. Like. Like, just about everything that you wanted to be included in this film gets included in this film. Yeah. Like, like even when they do find the treasure and it's infested with lizards, right? Yeah, yeah. They had just spent the entire previous day eating those sweet onions that Sam talked about in the flashbacks, where he said, 
the lizards don't bother me because of the onions. Yeah. They ate those same onions and the lizards left them alone. Like you're taking story components from something that happened decades ago. And it makes sense to the viewers, but to the people that are there watching it happen in the moment, they're like, why aren't the lizards attacking? Why aren't these boys bitten? What's going on? Are they <laughs> lizard whispers? Like, they're they're just... It, it's it's so interesting to, to watch all of those different components come together and, and turn it into a, a fun adventure story. Yes. Yep. Um, For sure. What was, oh man, what was, what was another element that I wanted to bring up with you? I had thought of it before the show and I didn't put it in the show notes because I was drinking (laughs) and, and I tried something new tonight. I tried putting bourbon in my sweet tea. (laughs) That sounds interesting. It was sweet and it was bitter and it turned me off to both of them. Oh man! But I finished the drink because alcohol is expensive, and I was just like, "Ugh." Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, <laughs> "I should probably drink every drop of this." It's like I need to drink this because that's like twenty bucks worth of booze right there. But I, yep. I wish I could extract it from the tea and put it in something else. Ah. Yep. Um. Okay. So the drinks, they found some of those um, peach preserves on the on the boat when they're hanging out underneath there sploosh they called it sploosh and then it ends up becoming the name of the uh the the foot care thing that Stanley's dad has been working on yeah, yeah, yeah. it becomes that name they call it sploosh and I'll, which huh? well later you find out that it's like the the peaches and onions that make the shoe smell go away mm mm-hmm. mhm and it was just kind of an interesting little like uh as far as as far as symbolism goes you know you had Kate Barlow who really or she made the peaches you know and gave them to Sam and Sam had the onions and gave them to her and it was like the a representation of their love i guess and the power of true love or whatever really does take care of all problems well it was it, I, I would never eat peaches and onions. No, even if they're sweet onions, I would. I would never have peaches and onions. But I'm not an onion guy. Oh, I'm an I'm an onion guy. I'll I'll put it on on my salads. I'll have onion rings. Um, I will. Yeah. I will put it on some of my sandwiches, and I even put it on my baked potatoes sometimes. Interesting. So I don't I don't know what it is. I think it's just the the way that onion is such a contrast from the flavors of everything else. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about contrasting flavors. Like if, if I'm, if I'm having like some court, some, some sort of uh sour, like a grape or something, then mm-hmm. I'm getting either something sweet or something really pungent to go with it. So, um, like grape, an onion, like cheese. Yeah, like cheese, like cheese and grapes. That's that's kind oh, of oh yeah, that's a good mix. That 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 that's kind of that's kind of my approach. Is if I'm if I'm getting something that's like one thing over here, then I'm getting something else to kind of 
go opposite of it, but also complement it as well. But yeah, I just well, don't know if onions and peaches complement each other as well as the book makes it out to be. Yeah, I onions. I don't mind the flavor as much as I mind the consistency of them. I guess okay. like if they're in something, they have to be cut up pretty darn small because even the crunch of it, I'm not a huge fan of. But when yeah, in the scene in there where they just kind of grab whole onions and just take big bites out of them like they're apples. No sir, hmm. no sir. Well, they 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 did that. Um. They did that up on the top of the mountain, didn't they? Yeah, like they just, they just they just pull it out of the ground and just honk, take a big old bite out of it, and I'm like, which I, I've debated this my whole life. Like, I mean, not my whole life, but since seeing this movie for the first time, anytime I watch that scene, I'm like, I don't like onions. But is there ever a point where I would get so hungry slash thirsty? that even an onion would look delicious to me and I would take a big bite out of <sighs> that it. That is true. That is true because they they left during the day and and Hector's been out there for at least an, a, a, a night, I think. And so they've missed at least two, probably three meals, perhaps. Yeah. And they ran out of water and had been drinking like leftover decades-old peach preserves that probably should have spoiled by that point. I don't know how they stayed preserved, but, Oh yeah. But I mean, that's, that's what they've had. And, and so they find muddy water and they're like loving it. And then they, <laughs> then they find something to chow down on and they're loving it too. It's like, it's the best ice cream Sunday I ever had. And I'm like, that's not ice cream. Nope. But it's, it's clever storytelling. It is, it's, yeah. it's 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 clever wording, and I appreciate it. For um, what it was, they did make a meal of muddy water and onions look decent. <laughs> well, and again, I think that goes back to the acting. They made you believe that yeah. they were really that hungry and thirsty, and they're like, "Yeah, I actually really did enjoy it this much." Yeah. So I I don't know. Um. Oh, here's 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 some fun onion trivia. I was I just went over to the trivia page on IMDb. It says that the onions that Stanley and Zero eat towards the end of the movie are actually apples wrapped in an edible cover. <laughs> That's what they sound like when they're bitten into, like apples. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. And uh, Sigourney Weaver only wanted to be in this film because Holes was her daughter's favorite book. Well, I'm glad she took the role because I can't imagine anybody else as the warden besides her. I don't think I could either. Like, I, I keep trying to uh, think of somebody that could play somebody that intimidating, but also that that sweet and strong and beautiful. Like, yeah. she just carries that type of presence about her. And yeah. I, I have a hard time trying to picture anybody else to be able to encapsulate all of those different components. Somebody else with that kind of gravity would be somebody like maybe like a Jane Lynch or somebody. I, I, I don't even know. Like Sigourney Weaver just really nails Jane that role. Lynch. Ah, I just, I just can't see Jane Lynch as a Texan. That's the problem. Oh really? I, I, I don't know. I don't have a hard time seeing her as a Texan. I think I have a hard time seeing her in a role that isn't 
I don't know. Like, what have I seen her in? I know she was in Glee, but I didn't even really watch Glee. I, I, she did a voice in Wreck-It Ralph. Bes- I mean, besides that, I don't really know much of Jane Lynch's stuff. But just something about the way she carries herself, I feel like she could run a camp. Oh, she could run a camp, could she? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course, I'm talking to a guy that's been a counselor at a camp, so I've, I, yeah, I wouldn't I've, know. I've been, I've been an actual camp counselor before, so I don't know. Uh, let me see. What else was she in? Um Oh, she was in Space Force. I didn't realize that. Jane Lynch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She uh, she was in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel for a while. Oh. I could not get into Space Force. Oh, man. We're going to have to disagree there. I only watched the first episode, though. so It gets better. It's not okay. like the best comedy ever made, but it does get better than the pilot. The pilot... They're all kind of competing for airtime and like they're all trying to get their zingers in before the pilot's over. And yeah. And yeah. so like it's so much comedy that it's almost too much comedy and you're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. But it's it's not always like that. Okay, uh, okay. Let me see, let me see, let me see. She was in the reboot Three Stooges movie. Uh, web therapy, Rio, Cleveland show, iCarly, Space Chimps two, Zartog strikes back. Wow, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Okay. What else was she in? She was in a little bit of Psych for a little bit there. I'm trying to see like the stuff that she is like most notably known for. She was Gale in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Interesting. But I just don't see anybody saying the line, excuse me, quite like Sigourney Weaver can. Yeah, that's also true. That is That is also true. And I loved how at the at the at the end of the movie when Stanley gets the treasure chest cuz it's got his name on it and she's like just open it for me please and then he like throws her words back at her as he's getting getting ready to leave yes like oh yes that is such poetic justice it's this movie i think is full of poetic uh justices and uh I don't know, just lots of poetic writing and and just mirrored scenery and and bookends and just things that really kind of are like seeds that are planted over here and then toward the end of the movie are definitely seen coming to fruition and in a very satisfying way. I would agree to that. I would agree to that. There's like the rain, you know, the rain, like they they had said just a few scenes. Because there was a part of the story early on where they're like, yeah, it's never coming past the mountains. It's never going to rain. And then at the end of the movie, it does rain. And you're like, whoa. Well, they said it hasn't rained here since the day they shot Sam. Mm -hmm. And then it finally rains when when, uh, the curse is fulfilled or the 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 prophecy is fulfilled. When the prophecy is fulfilled and the curse is lifted. Yeah, yeah. It's like... It's like the the lake can resume its normal life again or something. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Mm. That it, those are those are f- fun things to consider. 
Uh, we got a couple of specific questions that we usually address on this uh, on this podcast. We're going to get to that in just a second here, but I think this is probably a decent place to hit the pause button. And we're going to say hello to our uh, our friends, our sponsors, our patrons, however you want to call them. And uh, we'll be right back to wrap up this discussion of holes on the IPC podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is IPC. Hey, IPC listeners, this is Joey Mays, intergalactic patron and promoter of my family business, Mays Sandwich Shop. We are proud to be supporting IPC and the endeavors of young, talented individuals like Zach, Ben, and Jake. Should you ever find yourself in the area of Reading, Pennsylvania, be sure to stop by May's Sandwich Shop. Started by my grandfather in 1947, currently owned by my father and operated by my sister and me, May's Sandwich Shop has been serving delicious food to the greater Westlawn area for over 70 years. If you ever do visit, be sure to tell them IPC sent you. Continuing our discussion of the 2003 movie Holes here on the IPC podcast. A big shout out to the people that financially contribute to the program like Joey Mays, Ryan H1152, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Carrie Fleming. You all are the ones that help keep the light on for us, if you will. So if you're interested in helping us keep the lights on, you can do so at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. We've got various levels that give you access to our entire database of episodes over on Podbean. Uh, we've also got some stuff that involves admission to a secret group that we've got for peacekeepers. We've got some other exclusive content and patronage for our top five episodes that we do on a semi-regular basis. All that and more, just go to patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. And while you're on the interwebs, be sure to check us out on social media as well by finding us at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find previous episodes published over on our uh, sister page. Couldn't think of the right word. On our partnership page over at StarWarsUnderworld.com. All right. So, um, Jake, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit. But I just kind of want to, I guess, justify a little bit our reasoning for uh, even discussing this movie in the first place. <laughs> I, like, it, it's it's a very odd thing to think about, but, but with the coronavirus pandemic affecting movie releases, we're about to get Tenet out in theaters, finally. Yes. Um, 
but I mean, we've we've had this really really heavy stretch of no new movies, and we get to take a trip down memory lane. Um, you mentioned watching it as a kid, and I mentioned having read the book when I was taking a children's literature class in college about three or four years ago. So when we saw it on Disney Plus, when Disney Plus first came out, we were like, man, we got to talk about this someday. But then that yeah. someday really never came around until we had the fortuitous moment where Ben Hart said he couldn't make it this week. And we're like, oh, dude, you know what we should talk about? And that I, I feel like that's just kind of how we ended up where we are now. <laughs> Who's your favorite character? in this from either the book or or from the movie like who jumps out to you the most and, and is like somebody you gravitate towards when you're watching this film i just fall in love with the three antagonists at the camp i love the warden i love mr sure i love dr pendansky i think they all work really well together as kind of this this uh character on their own since they're kind of in a little bit of a group but my favorite out of the three has to be Mr. Sir. I just love what John Voight does with the character and whatever I envisioned in in the book while I was reading it for Mr. Sir the interpretation to screen was perfect. It was like this is this is now what I imagine if I read the book or whatever and and it's just such a such a fleshed out just his mannerisms his his the way he talks the way he walks it's just all very unique and memorable and makes for a great character that's a lot of fun to watch and interact with other people for sure so i i'm gonna have to go with mr sir i do like mr sir especially when he gets ticked off at stanley and like he he starts kind of taking it out on him a little bit especially yeah. especially when like after he gets the scolding and whatnot and he like doesn't fill up Stanley's canteen for him, like he just pours it out on the ground. He's like, yeah, that'll, that ought to hold you. Like, yeah. goodness gracious. That is like borderline torture and abuse, you know? Oh yeah. Like Stanley ha is, has gotten so hot out there that he's got an empty canteen. Like he's used all of it and yep. he's, he, he needs something else and he can't get it. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I think I do like the warden a lot, but I think that's also kind of a, a, a given, like the, the way that she carries herself, the way that everybody behaves around her, the, the, the devious thoughts that she has and the way that she, you know, runs the camp and carries herself. It's, it's kind of a given that she's somebody that's, that we're going to gravitate towards because she's like the primary antagonist. But yeah, I think an underrated character in, in my mind was uh it, it's it's both um x-ray and armpit like yeah I, I i like them for different reasons i think um i think i i like x-ray because he's figured out a way to survive in this place like he's not necessarily yeah. thriving but he's surviving and he knows kind of how the social hierarchy is supposed to go. Like he pulls Stanley aside and he's like, man, you've only been here a couple of days. So if you find anything, give it to me. Cause if anybody's earned a day off, it's me like that, yeah. that kind of thing. 
See, that really kind of annoyed me, actually, because it, like if somebody's like that in real life, because that's not how I think, really. I'm just like, look, why can't everybody just do their own thing or whatever? And to me, that kind of mentality is very, I don't even know. It's toxic, even the right word. I have no idea. But like if somebody said that to me in real life, I'd be like, uh, no, dude, you, you worry about your own self. Well, I mean – He's 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 preying on the niceness of others too, which we all know yeah. Stanley's too nice to be there. <laughs> Very true. I mean, he teaches another kid how to read for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not something I would have done in a place like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you mention armpit and and uh, X-ray uh, of all people, because I don't know if you knew this or not. Louis Sakar or Sacker, who who whatever his name is, the guy that wrote the book Holes came out with a sequel to the book not long after called small steps and it followed armpit after he left camp and oh good for he meets him up. yeah but he meets up with x-ray later huh. in the book so it, it kind of follows those two huh i i need to i need to find all that because those were I think I think the thing that really sold me on Armpit was at the very end of the movie where he asks for a pen and paper and asks Stanley to call his family and say that he's sorry. Yeah. Like yeah. like that kid is turning himself around. He's still got to do his time, but he's already acknowledging his situation, his plight, what he's done to his family, what he's done to himself, and he's He's owning it and he's apologizing for it. Like that shows growth and and maturity. And I, I appreciated the hell out of that. And the thing that shows the most growth and maturity, I think, is the fact that he uses his real name. Because the whole time he's like, my name's Armpit. And at the end he's like, tell him Theodore says he's sorry. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, I guess it's because he earned that nickname at the camp. None of his family members would know that he goes by the name uh, Armpit. Yeah. So... It, I get it, it makes sense, but it's also like he's he's willing to try and embrace himself rather than like another aspect of himself or something like that. Right. Um, one question that that Ben put in here, I guess, um, favorite memory from watching it. Uh, I only watched it for the first time last night, but this is something that goes back to your childhood. So what kind of memories do you have associated with watching this movie? Well, like I said before, I had seen this pretty much directly after reading the book and right. kind of getting some of it read to me while while I was sick. So I, I have good like father-son memories from reading the book and then my whole family watched the movie together. I had watched the movie and read the book upon recommendation from my good friend Sean – uh, when I was in school and it was something he talked about a lot, something that, uh, our friends talked about a lot. And I'm like, Oh, I want to get in on this and see what it's all about. And of course it instantly became one of my favorites. And it was something that we would watch and throw on sometimes when we go hang out at each other's houses, you know, we just sit around, hang out and watch holes. And it's, it's, it was fun in that way. It's something that everybody can enjoy no matter what age you are really. And, um, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite memories is just the 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 bonding that happened while either reading the book or watching the movie and um and they yeah, they're memories that I'll, I'll always have with me. Well, what's interesting is um 
this book was released in 1998. Yeah. And then it got adapted into a movie pretty dang quickly. Yeah. Because this yep. came out in 03. So, like, Disney was jumping on this book's popularity and was like, um, it's 1998, and here we are in, like, 01, and we really want to make a movie off of this. They got the rights within, like, three years and then made the movie and published it, you know, distributed it in 2003. That's a pretty quick turnaround for a book-to-movie adaptation. Definitely is. Um, four out of five on Goodreads, 4.6 out of five on Barnes & Noble, 251-page book written by Lewis Sacker. And uh, it was released in August 20th of 1998. And here we are recording this episode on August 21st. So huh. that was that was quite a coincidence. But, I mean, 98, 99, 2000. So this is the 22nd anniversary. Is that wow. right? Yeah. Yeah. This is this yeah. is right this is right around the twenty second anniversary of the release of the book. The movie came out in April of two thousand and three, but uh the the book was released right around this time, twenty two years ago. Dang man. Time flies. You can get it on all kinds of different places, but there's hardback copies available on Target for around fifteen bucks. Thrift Books has it used for like four bucks. Uh, Google Playbooks has it for six ninety nine. Barnes and Noble has the ebook for seven ninety nine. It's not that expensive, and uh, I feel like it's definitely worth the read because if there's if there's anything to take away from this episode of IPC, outside of maybe like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I feel like this movie to book or book to movie adaptation is one of the most accurate and most solid transitions out there. I would agree. I would agree. It stands out in my mind for sure. It's something that just really adapted the story well, like down to the, down to the, the, the dialogue. I felt like pretty, I mean, you could have taken all the dialogue from the book and just kind of transplanted it into the script and the screenplay of, of the movie. Cause it's pretty spot on. It's like almost exactly the same. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's really, really fun to watch. And it was really fun to talk about, too. But I, I think um, we're pretty close to the moment of truth. So let's let's combine um, favorite moment with uh, final thoughts, because uh, we do have uh, a, a special segment coming up that we need to get to um, before we can close the evening out. So uh, favorite moment final thoughts and planet score for the 2003 Disney film holes. Well, why don't, why don't you start? Cause I actually, I need just a second to think about mine. Uh, I can, I can give it a shot. I think, uh, best moment. See, that one's tough because this whole movie is really good. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't say that lightly, but this, this entire movie is fun to watch. Um, I would, I would say probably when Stanley decides to go for a joyride. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost chose that one. I, I think that one just, it encompasses his rebellious streak, his care for zero, 
his disregard for Mr. Sir's authority. Uh, it shows a little bit how stupid he is because <laughs> he doesn't know how to put it in gear. And then when he's looking behind to make sure he's lost Mr. Sir, he's not keeping his eyes on the road and drives into, surprise, a hole. Yes. And, uh, you know, even after he leaves the hole, he he still decides that he's going to go after Zero, and he takes off on foot. Like, it's a big moment of truth for him, deciding who he's going to be and what he's going to stand for and who his friends are and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's a big watershed moment for Stanley, and it... uh, it's it's really enjoyable to watch it. It's 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 funny. It's lighthearted. It's adventurous. It's totally within character, and it's just it's it's fun to watch. So that would probably be my favorite sequence. But I do love the rain at the end of the movie as well. Like, yeah. So when, when the storm comes. Both, mm. Well, I mean, do you, yeah. Sorry, keep going because I know you got to give your your final score. No, no, no. If you if you've got your favorite moment in mind, please by all means. Well, I was going to say my favorite moments, my two favorite moments are exactly what you said, but flipped. My favorite is the rain scene. And there's just so much in that that ties everything together real nice. You get, you know, slapping him in handcuffs at the end, finding out that he's not really a doctor. His real name's Marion. Uh, <laughs> basically, zero zero's file isn't even there and pendanski has to kind of sheepishly say that they don't have his file so he ends up going home with stanley because he's like i'm not leaving without him and it starts to rain and then the warden after all those years of searching for this treasure stanley won't even let her look at it and she's like can't i see what it looks like and he shuts the back of the car and is like excuse me so great so great and that's what i mean about poetic justice is mm-hmm. that like you just it it didn't work out for the warden and that's that's just great and the rain so great um and uh and yeah my second favorite is definitely well i would say it's kind of a mix between the two uh escape scenes where zero hits dr pendanski with the shovel after he asks him what does d-i-g spell and he hits him and he goes dig and then takes off couldn't help (laughs) but cheer for zero yeah and then stanley joyriding was just a whole lot of fun to watch and uh and yeah yeah good good scenes i think an honorable mention would be the the scene with the with the warden and the rattlesnake venom uh fingernail polish oh yeah he she slaps when, mr sir right when she slaps him and then his face gets all puffy on one side and he's like oh. he goes to the mess hall and he's like you think there's something wrong with my face <laughs> I think it looks kind of pretty. <laughs> oh, oh man. Such a such a fun movie to watch. It's one of those that I was not expecting to enjoy quite as much as I did. Like mm-hmm. I was I was like just based on my experiences with book to movie adaptations, I was ready to be disappointed and this movie did not disappoint in the slightest in my opinion. So for that and uh, all the aforementioned, you know, poetic justice, storytelling, pacing characters. I mean, we didn't even talk about how we we barely glossed over how Eartha Kitt was in this movie. And nobody's mentioned yet that Henry Winkler was in this movie. 
you got yep. you got the Fonz playing Stanley's dad, the inventor trying to find the cure for foot odor. And all I could think of was Dr. Saperstein from Parks and Recreation. But I mean Yeah. Yep. What a what a what a lineup. I mean, if this was a game of one, two, three, and I said Shia LaBeouf, Sigourney Weaver, and Henry Winkler, I bet there's a lot of people out there that would call BS on that. Yep. Too good of a cast. Mm-hmm. Well, and kind of obscure of a cast, because this is super young Shia LaBeouf. That's true. And and you would have been like, really? Shia LaBeouf in a movie with Sigourney Weaver? No way. So, I mean, it's it's it was it was good casting, and it was a good movie. And I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. That's exactly what I was going to give it, a 9 out of 10. Wow. I don't see a whole lot wrong with this. I have very minor uh, gripes and nitpicks, but I've seen this movie maybe on the whole like 20 times in my whole life, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you think about it, 20 times to watch a movie and to revisit with various friends and family or yourself and, you know, just, just for fun, just to go back and rewatch it. That's a lot of viewings, I think, especially over like, uh, like I said, I first saw it when I was like 11. So that's, you know, that's, that's a lot of years right there. And, and I am, I'm very, uh, attached to it. And it's one of my favorites from my childhood. One of my favorites as an adult probably definitely makes my top like 50 movies of all time. And it's just a satisfying story, a fun story, and it's one that I can't wait to return to time and time again, eventually with my kids as well. And uh, definitely lives up to the hype, in my opinion. So give it a watch if you haven't seen it. I highly recommend it. And yeah, 9 out of 10. So I'm curious what the audience would give to the 2003 movie Holes, if you've even seen it. It's available on Disney+, Plus, so you've got no reason not to watch it if you've got a Disney Plus subscription. Uh, send us your planet score on social media at IPC podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or just try and hit us up wherever you can on our socials. We'll drop those in a little bit here, but, uh, Jake, what would you say is a, is a memorable enough quote that you think we should use for our quote of the night segment tonight? (sighs) Here's the thing. I was looking at the quotes section in IMDb and I couldn't really find anything because you had mentioned, I mean, there's lots of quotes here, but you had mentioned something between maybe zero and Stanley. Um, I'm not really seeing a whole lot that's like significant. Uh, Oh man. I don't know that we can add it in post. Uh, once we find something, but my first suggestion was the, the, uh, if only, if only a woodpecker size. Cause that is something that I don't quite understand the meaning of necessarily, but it's something that's quoted a lot. It's one of the most memorable things from the movie. And it's something where like, you know, you can quote with a friend at school or something and they know exactly what you're talking about. They're talking about the, uh, the song that, that, uh, Elio Yelnav, that's a mouthful, has to sing to the pig to, to while it grows, you know, leading up to him su- supposed to take uh, Madame Zeroni up the mountain. Um, and uh, and eventually it's something that Stanley sings. So um, that would be my personal pick for Quote of the Night because it kind of, kind of incorporates all different 
uh, all different eras that you visit in the movie from, you know, way back generations ago to modern day and kind of ties it all together. Um, but maybe you have a different idea. Well, I'm, I'm looking at, at some of the, the quotes from the movie and a lot of it's just kind of conversation style, like, like what's going on in this particular moment. But I do really like Kate Barlow's final words where she's leaning up against Sam's boat and Trout Walker shows up and she's like, "Uh, I ain't going to kill you. And he goes, where's the loot? And she's like, there ain't no loot. And they have this whole back and forth about her life, her career and, you know, that she's buried the treasure somewhere and nobody's ever going to find it, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a, a really powerful setup for, you know, the curse of the lake and the discovery of the treasure that they're about to make in a little while. Um, how deliberately she gets it as far as not telling him to the point that she just grabs a lizard and straight up allows herself to get bit so that she'll take that secret to her grave yeah like that's that stuff's pretty compelling too um i really liked the kate barlow side story like everything that was going on between her and sam and and the the way that all of that kind of sets up the quote-unquote lake that you've got in the film i think i think that i think that's a pretty good scene too so I don't know. Maybe we'll leave it up to Ben to decide. He's the guy that does all the post-production, so. <laughs> good, there you go. Good luck with this one, buddy. But whatever one he decides, maybe he's going to do both. Uh, here we go, folks. It's tonight's quote of the night. It started in a little village in Latvia. He was shoveling in Morris Mackey's barn when Myra, his beautiful daughter, walked by. <laughs> and that was it. So what does your great-great-grandfather do? He goes to a fortune teller, uh, Madame Zeroni, for advice. All you think about is Myra Menke. I know. That's when our troubles began. Listen to Madame Zeroni. You should go to America. That's where my son is. That's your future. Not Myra Menke. Her head's as empty as a flowerpot. Mr. Menke. I would like your permission to marry your daughter. You too. Hmm? Igor Barkov has offered his fattest pig for her. What do you got? A heart full of love. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a boy. I'd rather have a fat pig. Morris Menke is a schmuck. Okay, here's what you do. Take the little one. But this solves nothing. So it will grow. Every day, you carry the pig up the mountain. Make it drink the water from the stream. While you sing. If only, if only, the woodpecker sighs. The bark on the tree was as soft as the skies. While the wood waits below, hungry and lonely, he cries to the moon. If only, if only. Every day the pig will get fatter, and you 
get strong. Now, after you give the pig to Menki, you must carry Madame Zaroni up the mountain and sing while I drink so I can get strong too. <laughs> but if you forget to come back for Madame Zaroni, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. All right, well, there you have it. That was the quote of the night. Whatever it was, it was it was certainly something, wasn't it? That was oh, yeah. that was a quote, and that was a quote that happened tonight. So it's uh, that was our quote of the night. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Oh yeah, I'm I I am very good with the words. You you know me. <laughs> it's not getting late at all or anything. I'm um, very well with the wording. I'm I'm very well with words. Yes, absolutely. Um, but we do have one more segment that we're supposed to talk about on uh, this evening's broadcast. But uh, you know what? I don't. I don't think this is something that I am really going to have a whole lot of uh, contributions that I'm going to be able to make to what's going on. So why is that, Zach? Oh well, you'll you'll find out in a second. But uh, in order to you know make this as uh, even, Stephen, and accurate of a of a segment that we can make, uh, perhaps it's time that we try and call for reinforcements. Barbecue, 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 You know, oh, I'm boy. still mad. Thing on? I'm still mad. <laughs> Wait, who was that? I just heard something. I don't know who that was. I just I heard I heard a voice, but uh, I we I don't know. Um, nah, it's no one. Don't worry about it. Oh, it, it's just it's just a phantom voice. Okay, I see how it is. Ooh, Ooh. This podcast is haunted. Oh, I see. There's a there's a version. The that ghosts is from last free. week are sticking around, or was that two weeks before? I don't know. It's <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. I'm 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 a, I'm at a loss for words. Okay, whatever. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the the third member of our broadcast team here for a very special edition of Barbecue Watch. It's Mr. Ben Hart. How's it going, guys? Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Yeah, you miss me. Yeah, we always miss you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I finally made it. Um, I- I've been gallivanting across uh, the the galaxy, and uh, yeah, decided to stop in tonight. So what's going? What's been going on? Oh. Not a whole lot. Oh, seeing friends. Oh. Nothing much. Just, just nothing much. <laughs> Did you hear him though? We were just talking about the movie Holes, and he said not a whole lot going on. I'm sorry, I missed that. Ha 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 ha! Oh man, hardy, 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 har. Ben, oh, why does it feel like I just saw you? It it does feel weird. It's like I kind of saw you yesterday. It's like yeah, really, 
this the weird vibe I'm getting, like deja like, vu or something. Cl- closer than we usually are when we talk to each other. I don't know why I feel that way. It's but... like I didn't need earbuds to hear your voice. It's like <sighs> crazy, man. Insane. Well, we I saw have each no, other. Guys. They have no idea what the hell we're talking about. We met up. Okay, I'll, uh, Zach. Actually, maybe you should say what happened since you were the one who wasn't there. Yeah, that's a great idea. The one person who wasn't actually present that had no that has little to no knowledge of what actually happened should be the one that tells this story. No, I for the next like five to ten minutes, I'm just sitting back and listening because <laughs> I'm I've got the I've got Mixler open, and that's like the only reason I'm here. That's the only purpose I'm serving. You guys have at it. All right, Benny boy, so, you take it away. All right, so so I haven't been on vacation. In a, quite a long time because, you know, the world's been falling apart for the past six months. So it hasn't been ideal circumstances to go just out of town, go do something fun. But my family, being as they may and being not homebodies at all, were, decide, were, were just determined to get out of the house and go do something. Um, and original, normally speaking, this week – of this year, or maybe it's another week. No, it's actually d- different. See, time is so weird now. But normally speaking, one week a year, this podcast is off the air because I am at the Indy 500. And this is a thing I've been done, doing for several years in a row now. And so the Indy 500 is happening this year. It's happening as of recording this, th- like this weekend. And there will be no people there. Because of, you know, everything. But so I'm not going to be there. Nobody else is going to be there. We'll have to watch it on TV. Um, but my family decided, hey, we're going to go out of town anyway. And we're going to go some places. And, of course, my parents were like, okay, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? We've, we've been a lot of places already. But they said, okay, well, let's go to Pennsylvania. I don't know what made them think that. I don't know what what spurred this on they just had their conversation i let them plan the vacations then i go on them so (laughs) you know this just happened and then they make the definite plans okay we're actually going to pennsylvania i'm like i know some people in pennsylvania i i know a couple of dudes and actually i've actually since since i've done all this i've realized even more people um that i <laughs> completely forgot are <laughs> up here that i feel bad that i forgot about um because we could have staged like an entire pennsylvania meetup up here so basically i uh messaged jake and after our last show and i messaged joey mays who also lives in pennsylvania i'm like hey dudes um so I- i'm going on vacation i'm coming up where you live i might be going close to you you know, maybe we should we should meet up and hang out. Maybe we should do something. Maybe. If it works out. And so, lo and behold, I end up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm not there anymore because I've moved on, but I was there then. And so, Jay guessed it. I'm like, I'm in Lancaster, and why don't we hang out? And I'm like, what better place to hang out at than at frickin' May's Sandwich Shop? Which you guys are, are very familiar with. You've heard the commercial a thousand times on this show. You've heard Joey Mays on this show a ton of times. And I'll throw him into this and let's do this. And so I went to Mays Sandwich Shop. Joey Mays obviously was there. Jake Damon showed up. 
and we had a good old time. Yes, we did. It was a lot of fun meeting up with you guys. It was my first time meeting Joey, uh, which is ironic because he lives an hour away, and I don't know why it's (laughs) taken this long for me to get up to the May sandwich shop, but I finally did. And I showed up a little bit early, so I went over to his house to hang out for a little bit, and then we we met um, Ben and and his family over at May's sandwich shop. And I Ben, I've met you in real life like two or three times at this point. I've met your parents before, so it was really cool seeing you right. guys again. And uh, I'm hoping that we'll be able to meet up again in the near future at a convention or something once. All that this COVID stud blows up. Nice. But uh, yeah, we had a good time. And unfortunately, we were only able to hang out for an hour or two. But we, we tried to make the most of the time and enjoyed some good food while we were doing it. Yes, we did. And and while we were ordering, I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to bring someone into this. Because someone else that couldn't be there but is there in spirit need to be brought in and so i'll i'll let you take this zach i'll, I'll let you be included in this conversation because you were there uh, but, but we brought you in and i'm like okay we gotta call him and of course i i call you and then i see you and then the rest of it is just i hate you i hate you all <laughs> pretty pretty much it was it was it was a, it was a very it was a very love hate situation because i was on my way back to my office from a pretty extensive work day and I still had some paperwork I had to do at the office before I could go home and I had been in kind of a sketchy part of town with a partner of mine and he was actually in the truck when you called and he very politely oh, let me took oh my God. very politely let me take the call so a big shout out to my coworker Kirby for being patient with me because I did kind of explode in the car a little bit and he probably gave me some weird side eye while he was on his phone but <laughs> Like what is oh, happening? I had I had to explain myself during that last leg of the trip, like give him the whole nine yards about what was going on. But uh, I was on the highway, headed back to the office, and I got a notification that interrupted my Spotify music that said Benjamin Hart is calling you on video messenger, and I was like, Ben never calls me on messenger. <laughs> Like literally outside Thumb things up outside of podcasting when I when I talk to him on the podcast, like ninety to ninety five percent of our conversations outside of the podcast are text messages. <laughs> so naturally, this was this was a huge blip on the radar, and I was like, I better take this, and I did, and when I did. I didn't see one face. I did not see two faces. I saw three familiar faces all in the same shot. And I was like, what the heck is going on right now? And like all three of you were like, hey, Zach, how's it going? And I was like, no. Like, no, this can't be happening. And your worst nightmare. I mean, it wasn't my worst nightmare, but I mean, I, I, it was, it was so like, I got so torn because I was excited that you guys like remembered me and thought of me and it really, really touched my heart and made my day. But at the same time I was sitting there thinking, man, 
I'm going back to work, and they're going to hang up and go have a damn sandwich. <laughs> uh, look, look, I completely sympathize with you. I have, I have been at work while my friends were on the other side of the planet at Star Wars Celebration. That hurts. All yeah. right? It hurts. It's yeah. fun to watch people have fun, but it also hurts. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I've been there. So we, tell we, me, tell me we about had this. to bring you in. Yeah, well, but tell me about this food, guys. Like, the call was awesome, and getting the virtual tour of May's sandwich shop was really cool. But I saw a sandwich with some tomato slices on it during the call. But I don't. I didn't know who it was for or what the toppings were. Like, I know this isn't exactly barbecue, but this is a pretty special occasion. Tell me about the May's sandwich shop experience. Yeah. Okay. So, f- first of all, I just want to give a massive, massive, massive shout out and a massive thank you to Joey Mays himself, yes. who is, as you guys know, an incredible human being, but also super nice, was off yesterday was he was not working he's not supposed to come into work but came into work to serve us all right this shows how much how awesome joey is like he took an off day and came to entertain us at his shop and we got to meet his dad um we saw his sister and he just went to get to meet his kids like it was amazing it's amazing little there they've been there that location for like over 30 years since the 80s um and they've been operating since for like 70 something years um since his grandfather took over as you hear in the commercial so an amazing experience that was and and huge shout out to joey for accommodating us and feeding us giving us shirts which was crazy and then uh uh, jake tell tell him because that was your actual sandwich that he's talking about tell him what you had yeah, well, I always judge the quality of a sandwich shop by their roast beef sandwich because roast beef sandwich, if I'm able to get it, is always my go-to. I love roast beef sandwiches, and uh, I got one. I got a roast beef sandwich that had uh, lettuce and tomato on it, and uh, I, I was given cheese options, so I chose Swiss. I really like Swiss cheese. Uh, and extra mayo. I always choose extra mayo because it just gives a sandwich that moistness that I love. And I, I'm a huge fan of mayo. Mayo is one of my favorite foods of all time. It's a great condiment, my favorite condiment. And uh, the more that you can get on a sandwich, the better. So, yeah, I asked for extra mayo. And everything about the sandwich, and I'm not just saying this because I, I Joey's our friend and, you know, you got to be nice to people and, like – I'm not saying any We're of this. We're never nice to people. Come on. I legitimately loved the sandwich. It was so delicious. Everything was perfect. And the roast beef, I'm not sure where they get their roast beef from, but it was just, it wasn't dry. It wasn't, uh, it, it had good flavor and it was just really, really yummy. Um, I, I really enjoyed every bite. That I, I had and just for fun, I ordered a, uh, a bag of uh, I think it's called Diffin Box um, uh, barbecue kettle chips, which is a Pennsylvania company. Uh, I think they're in Wommelsdorf, Pennsylvania. Um, Say that name again. Wommelsdorf. <laughs> Wommelsdorf. Diffin Box <laughs> from Wommelsdorf. Say that five times fast. That, that, um, that, that, that. that. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, not that. Different box from Womble. Cheater. <laughs> um, Railroad Crossing, watch out for the cars. Can you spell that without any R's? Oh my gosh. Um, which were also very good. And then uh, they also had, I forget the brand of soda it was, but I you see them all over PA when you're up here. Um, and they had a basket full of them out front. And they had like things like... Birch beer, beer, wasn't it? Yeah, birch beer. They had uh, red birch beer, I think, or red cream soda, I think. Um, some of the ones you don't see a whole lot, they had sarsaparilla. And I'm like, which one do I try? So I decided to try the sarsaparilla. And I hadn't realized that the ones in the basket were just for show, basically, or ones to take home. And they had cold ones in the fridge if you wanted. So I pick up a sarsaparilla, I open it, I start drinking, and Joey's like, oh, you didn't want one from the fridge? And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know they were back there. So I put the sarsaparilla, which was warm, in the car. And I'm like, I can just drink this later. And I bought another drink. And I decided to go for the the uh, cream soda, I believe. and uh, Or no, the birch beer. I'm sorry. I got the birch beer cold from the fridge. And it was delicious. So, yeah, all in all, great meal. I also, I think, had the cream soda. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. Did you get a sandwich, Ben? And I did get a sandwich, and it wasn't I, that isn't even the last one either. So I had a this. I'm like Joey. I'm like Jake. And see, there's too many J names, so I'm just saying <laughs> all the things. I almost, I almost, I think I said Jack at some point during our conversation at at May Sandwich Shop. So um, we'll just call yeah, you Jen just, from now on. You're Jen now. Yeah, it just it just flows out of my mouth. Um, so. Um, Jake and my my mind is now completely blank. Um, so like Jake, I, I have only speaking when I go to a sub shop or a sandwich shop, and that is the meatball sub. Mm. And this is one I wasn't super hungry, so I got a small one. So I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna get something huge. Then I get the sandwich, and it's still big, <laughs> still like a <laughs> like like what you would consider like a regular or large in another restaurant. They get the small is like huge, so. I get that, and it's really, really good. Like it's your your standard, like you know your your meatballs, your sauce, um, your provolone cheese, which I, which I uh, I chose, and it was great. It was really, really good. One of the best meatball sauces I've ever had. Yeah. And we're, we're there, and of course my dad's there, and he decides he's going to barbecue. <laughs> And I'm like, of course you would get that. Of course you would go for the barbecue because he's, he's just like that. He like anytime there's barbecue on the menu, he's like, oh, what's that? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to try that. So he gets the barbecue sandwich, and it's this. They didn't call it sloppy joes, but it was kind of like sloppy joes, kind of this ground beef on a bun, and you could get it on a sub sandwich too. I think it was bigger, and then it had barbecue sauce on it, and that was really good too. Like that was really good. It was something different, not necessarily your like traditional like barbecue but like really don't so i got a bite of that of course i ate all my other sandwich every bit of it because it was good and uh yeah that i mean all of it was great like it really is like and just to mention their menu was massive if you look at at may sandwich shop they have so many things and joey was kind of limiting it like we need to scale down on the menu like oh this is impressive (laughs) like you had this massive menu with so many options it's crazy um so it was just an amazing experience of course the food you know was amazing the company was even better 
it just was an all around amazing experience. I'm, I'm just sad that it didn't last that long. Yeah. Because we didn't get to hang out. We kind of met there, kind of perfect. We were all there at the same time. And then we kind of, Joey had stuff going on and we were heading north. And uh, Jake had to go do some stuff. So uh, it didn't last very long. But it happened. And I'm hoping it can happen more often in the past because I haven't seen anybody. I didn't think I was going to get to see anybody for a while because of this whole pandemic thing. But uh, we got some social distancing selfies and we were <laughs> on our way. And it was fantastic. Oh, yes. That's that's amazing. I I don't have any words. I really don't. Uh, part of it is just in awe of how awesome that meetup sounds and how great the food sounds and also part of how hungry I am and how tired I am. Like there's all kinds of <laughs> contributing factors. Same, same. So many contributing factors. So Ben, are you were you guys actually headed for Pennsylvania or, or do you have another destination in Pennsylvania was just part of the route? Okay, so Pennsylvania is kind of part of it. Not it's not the first or last stop. Um, so we drove a couple days, and then we ended up in Pennsylvania. We kind of hung out here, and then now we're in northern Pennsylvania. And then tomorrow we're going to be heading down to Little Washington D.C. and we're going to hang out and ah. do some stuff. And uh, if you want to keep up with what where I'm been, where I've been, and where I'm going to be going, uh, check out. At Ben Hart with no E on Instagram, I've been posting some pictures. I even got more. I got tons of pictures. Um, I just yes. got off a freaking train today. All right, uh, my second train of the week. All right, so uh, yeah, it's been it's been a wild one. I'm I'm jealous because I will. I really would love to go on a, a train ride of some sort. Um, and you're in the Poconos now, is that right? Or the Adirondacks? One of those. You are correct. Uh, Poconos. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm honestly, I'm surprised you have any, any internet access at all. Um, cause it like some places up there are just, you know, you, you've got zero bars. You're just in a, you got to send up smoke signals if you want to get, you know, uh, message somebody. Um, but the Poconos <laughs> are a really, really, uh, fun place to go. If you're, if you're going on a little vacation or a trip or something, the, there's lots of, of nice scenery up there and, um, yeah, check it out. See, I'm just, I'm just lamenting that y'all are talking about these, these awesome destinations. And my last vacation, I went and saw 30 something dollar generals. <laughs> but that's cool in its own right you know I, I, when you were posting pictures from that you and mondo i'm like man i'd give my left arm to be in that car with them hey that I, that sounds amazing i i would i would propose a road trip then boyos i don't i don't care where i don't care when but i really i really think a, a weekend excursion with all four of us in the same vehicle, Mondo, myself, Jake, and Ben. I think that would be one heck of a weekend. I will. I am there in a heartbeat, man. And we, we have to do like a pod, like an episode of the podcast. Oh we yeah. have to. Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred and ten percent. It doesn't we'll even have to have, we'll just have a mic. We'll have a hot mic on at all times. Hey, like it won't, the podcast won't end. <laughs> Mondo yeah. and I have done that before. He's got a, a window mount on his, on his car and he just like hits the Facebook live button and we'll just go driving down the road and we'll just talk and crap and we'll just be on Facebook live while we're talking. 
<laughs> I would love that. And I I should get a couple of GoPros or something and mount them in the corners, and we could we could do a couple of YouTube videos too. Well, we we do them like they do with the 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 office when they're driving in a car. Like yeah. have a couple of those in different corners and like cut back and forth between those different cameras as we're making the video. Yep. Yeah. I am all about that. I love it. Sounds like a plan, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Or well, just gentlemen. Yeah, just gentlemen <laughs> tonight. But were you uh, calling a lady? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't gone through with the sex change yet. I don't think your wife would like that. <laughs> Your pregnant wife would that. definitely not like that. No, probably not. Let me keep the lid on that one, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it is getting way Whoa. too late. So, Jake, before you decide to go through your sex change, <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can follow you on social media so they can keep up with your transformation? Well, you can uh, find me at Jake Damon on Twitter, soon to be Janice Damon, and you can find <laughs> oh, me on uh, Instagram. Call me Caitlin. <laughs> call me Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin Jacob Damon. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jake W. Damon, and you can also find me at Jexpatch, J-E-X-P-A-T-C-H on Instagram. It's kind of my art account, which, again, I don't think I've posted to in ages. I mean, a few, couple weeks ago, but that's it. Well... Now you have reason to post something new because you just told everybody where to find it. I guess so. <laughs> As for me, I can be found at Zach the Voice on Twitter, Z A C H the Voice on Twitter, and uh, that's also the username on uh, on Facebook. If you want to find me on Instagram, you got to put a little period in there between Zach and the Voice. It's Zach dot the Voice because the person who has the username Zach the Voice is not returning my DMs. So I feel your pain there. <laughs> But it is what it is. And you can find the podcast at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all three major platforms there. Be sure to use the hashtag BBQWatch when you're posting about anything that's barbecue-related or just food-related. If you end up at May's Sandwich Shop or something like that, or at uh, Rob's BBQ on the side or something like that, just let us know. And uh, who knows? We may end up just talking about that hashtag on one of our episodes, doing like a BBQ Watch check-in or something like that. But, uh, Ben, it was awesome getting to have you on for just a, a little bit there, talking about food and travels and stuff, and uh, looking forward to having you back next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry I couldn't make the beginning of the show, but as I said, I've been busy. Plus, uh, I haven't watched Holes yet. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, that's on my list, all right? I'm going to finish this, I'm going to go watch the episode, and then I'm going to actually edit this so that I can properly so I don't get spoiled. Right? I love the double standard. In the chat, you're like, I hope you guys watched the movie we were supposed to watch, and then you're the one who hasn't watched the movie. Did you notice the dig I did? I said, I I pulled a classic Zach and or Jake move. (laughs) Ouch. And I didn't watch the movie we were supposed to watch. Ouch. Yep, but uh, (sighs) not entirely inaccurate. But... Well, if you want to keep up with me for some reason, you can find me <laughs> at Ben Hart with no E on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'm actually posting some stuff, as I said. So, uh, yeah, go go get some pictures and some videos of some, some traveling. And, uh, yeah, gender is a construct. I, I support Jake's decision. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, yeah, this was fun. And, yeah, I think things will be back to normal next week. I don't know what we're going to be doing, but it'll be fun. 
Well, whatever it is, we're only going to be a couple of episodes away from our 300th special. Yeah. This one here was episode 297, our official 297th episode. The one we did last week was the showreel cut. <laughs> which trolled the heck out of everybody, which was hilarious. Did we even explain that thing? Nope. No, we really didn't. Um, and we won't. Maybe one day. Maybe may- one day. Maybe on the 300th we'll explain what happened to 297A. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. This was a live episode, for anybody who was wondering. And episode 297 is now officially being put to bed. And I am not too far behind it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. For Ben and Jake, I'm Zach. We hope to see you next time. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. He who seeks to control fate shall never find peace. And we hope to find you on Intergalactic Peace next week. But until then, good night, everyone. You got to go and dig those holes. Man, I'm tired. With broken hands and withered souls Emancipated from all you know You got to go and dig those holes
One of the reviews for Holes says, if you have not seen this movie, you have been deprived. If you have not seen in this movie, what hole have you been in? <laughs> Ba-dum-tsh. Ba-dum-bum-bump.